Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The U.S. Market Update with Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Welcome to the U.S. Markets Wrap. I'm Sean Cheong for Money FM 89.3. It was a challenging day for the markets, which saw major averages move into the red. There were concerns over the state of the global economy, China in particular, and a decline in the U.S. banks combined just put its weight down on Wall Street. So this book, a three-day positive streak. The Dow Jones Industrial Average stood about 1.02%, ending at 34,946 points. The S&P 500 pulled back by about 1.16% to close at 4,437 points. And the Nasdaq Composite, it fell as well by about 1.14% to 13,631 points. So for more insights, uh, we are joined today by Philip Stribal, the Chief Market Strategist from Blue Line Futures. Welcome to the show, Philip. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Let's get into it. The S&P, it ended the session below its 50-day moving average. So is this move signaling the beginning of a downtrend and we are going to get some vulnerability going forward? Yeah, well, what I want to talk about here real quick is you got to think where we've been and and where we've come from. And the S&P, if you look at this, this is a small correction that we've had today. The reality is, is that our economy is expanding, that the labor market remains tight, inflation's declining. If you look year over year, CPIs come from 9% down to 3%. Our GDP had beat the expectations with 2.4% versus one8 expected. I think that the Fed will achieve its soft landing goal. But if you look today and you look at where we're at right now, and if you were an investor and you were looking at your portfolio, the NASDAQ is up about 36% for the first half of the year. The S&P is up 16%. Someone would have to ask themselves, is this sustainable? And it makes natural sense for people to reduce some exposure. They also have questions like, the credit rating downgrade of the United States from Moody's. Fitch is also looking at possibly downgrading some of the U.S. banks. I think that's what put the market on a sour note. And then also, is the Fed going to over-tighten on this market? So these are a lot of questions that investors ask themselves and naturally took some chips off the table. Is this also seasonality being August? And we know that August generally is considered to be a, a poor month the volume has come off a bit. It is, if you look day over day, week over week, it is declining. I think yesterday um, versus the previous session, it was off about 14%. So naturally, I think we are hitting kind of a holiday mode. You do have a lot of people that tend to take August off. They go on vacation before their children go back to school. So I think that naturally they are stepping away from their death. Right. And let's take a look as well as what happened in July. The U.S. retail sales in July top forecast, it rose about some 0.7% month on month. It seems like we are seeing some resilience there. So does it suggest that the U.S. consumer has enough ready cash to sustain uh, an economic expansion? Hey, I got to tell you, I tried to go to the shopping mall, the shopping center last week, and uh-huh. there was not a parking spot available. <laughs> it was jam-packed. And it just tells you that You know, they find some comfort, I think, the consumer and where the economy is going. Many people believe that the recession had already happened. It had happened last year when we were hitting, you know, some of those negative growth numbers. And that the reality is, is that the Fed will achieve its soft landing. People are doing well. Wages are rising. Government spending is continuing. So I think that, you know, a little retail therapy going out there and buying 
a new pair of sneakers is not a bad idea. <laughs> but in spite of all this positivity, there seems to be uh, weakening investor sentiment globally, so to speak, after especially China reported disappointing economic data and that surprise rate cut by its central bank. Do you think that deflation in China that we've seen, that's going to be, that will be weighing down the world's second largest economy could potentially move over to the U.S. at some point? It could. I mean, it could possibly. Anything can really happen. I mean, they could be a leader on this. They could be the ones who are um, being the second largest economy. It is quite con- concerning. You know, I mean, having the deflationary CPI data, that was very unfortunate. The emergency rate cut of 15 basis points. And then what we were really talking about in the office was we were concerned that they are stopping, you know, reporting what the unemployment situation is and the, and the younger adult that is able to go to work. That's really, you know, sad and unfortunate that they're doing that. So we really think that they need to come in, they need to step in, they need to take a more of, a, of an effective stance on battling the deterioration in their economy. And then the way that we are gaining exposure is that, remember, China is one of the largest consumers of copper. Blue Line Futures is a commodity brokerage firm that I work for. So we will, will increase exposure in some of those key commodities that China utilizes. And let's take a the lens on China still, and since you mentioned about commodities, so China is one of the largest consumers of commodities and natural resources, naturally. So if there were to be a government stimulus injected there, as hoped by the economists, will the rocky road for copper and silver ease off a little? Yeah, we believe so. I mean, copper prices, they've been resilient. They've been in a price band right now from about 365 a pound on up to about $4. We believe that if China took some stimulus measures, you would see copper take off first, being that industrial demand. We believe that silver, with 54% of its exposure being industrial demand, that those two commodities will start to turn back up. The investor sentiment in those commodities will get a sign of relief. And then if you know about silver, it kind of has a cult following. You'll see more and more people jumping in on that precious metal. It's often referred to as the poor man's gold. And I really think that it can gain some momentum to the upside. You've set us up nicely because we're going to talk about gold next. Um, So let's move on to the gold space. We saw prices fall as Treasury yields jumped. With this downtick in in headline inflation data and an uptick in initial claims, uh, can gold sustain a rally? That's the question that everyone's asking. Now, seasonally, it's rallied from about August 11th on up to August 28th. It's been 12 out of the last 15 years. There are three main drivers in the gold market right now. It's the U.S. dollar strength. Gold tends to work inversely against it. Inflation data, which we're seeing that hot retail sales number, a little bit of an uptick in some of the PPI, and a little bit of hawkishness out of the Fed. The Treasury yields continue to remain resilient. We're seeing longer-term Treasury bonds being sold off where Large corporations are buying shorter term, and what it's doing is it's inverted the yield curve, and it's also cementing it going forward. People are finding where U.S. equities, they may have possibly topped. You could be right there. They're finding comfort in going out trying to achieve a 5% yield on a longer-term yielding asset. So it's just out of flavor right now. I believe that ultimately, if you do see a downtick, where companies like Goldman Sachs believes that into the second quarter of 2024, that's when you're going to start to see that downtick in economic data. And you'll see the Federal Reserve be reactive and start to cut interest rates about a quarter basis point every quarter going out. And uh, let's also take a look at oil. That's uh, 
oil has continues to be this shining star. Higher well productivity, crude oil prices have driven up US crude oil production forecast. So with the situation that's still going on in Russia and Ukraine, uh, what's your assessment on how oil prices are going to move in the coming days? Let me tell you this. I'm going to tell you a secret about oil that a lot of people don't know. That's the real gauge for inflation. It's not gold. They always tell you that gold is the best gauge of inflation. It isn't. It's oil and it's directly felt at the pump. So if you look at the inventories right now, they are quite tight. We are historically below our five-year average. Also, you do have the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, that has been drained. And I believe that the current administration had really done a poor job on trying to replenish that, especially when oil prices were in the 60s. I think that OPEC has a, a service to themselves to try and maintain prices where they can balance their budget naturally. I believe that Saudi Arabia needs something in the mid-80s in order to do so. So they've got to fulfill their needs and the needs of their citizens. So we're going to continue to see tightness in the oil market. And I think we're going to trade between about $75 and about $85 on the upside. Okay. Thank you so much for your time today, Philip. That was very, very insightful. Well, thanks for having me. We've been speaking with Philip Strabo, the Chief Market Strategist from Blue Line Futures. And this is Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.